millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Uh, very good morning to you on this Friday morning as we welcome you along to the programme. John Paul's taking your calls at 1850-333-103. Text and WhatsApping uh, is available and already texts coming into us. Thank you for those at 0862-103-103. And I don't know, is it just me or are others feeling the same? I have a sort of a a bit of foreboding and a bit of apprehension and a huge amount of worry and a huge amount of sadness, I have to say, about the thought of this anti-lockdown rally, protest, whatever you want to talk about it, that's planned for Cork City tomorrow. And I don't know what it is. It's almost like, you know, in the pit of your stomach when you think about it, I just hope and pray that everything goes off okay. And even at this late stage, I really would love to think that the organisers behind this event might spend the day reflecting and might stop and think we are living in the middle of a pandemic. I know we live in a democracy Everyone has a right to protest if you disagree with something. But God knows we're doing so well with the COVID-19 positive cases in here in Cork. Do we need to have something that could potentially, I'm not saying it will, but it could potentially have the possibility of ending up being a super spreader. And in the papers today, I see Owen English writing in the, actually in the front page of the Irish Examiner that the Gardaí have warned some of the organisers of tomorrow's anti-lockdown rally in Cork that they could face a criminal investigation if it still goes ahead. And a substantial operational policing plan, it includes public order units, has now been prepared at Midfierce that the event could be hijacked by those who will go to the event intent on nothing else but violence. We saw very violent scenes at the rally, which was started out as 
tomorrow's one in Cork is as a peaceful rally, a peaceful protest that turned uh, violent. And because of that, obviously, the Gardaí in Cork, looking to what happened in Dublin, are now putting a policing plan in place. And just you think of, is that a big waste of money as well and a waste of police time? There will be divisional and regional Gardaí resources used. They're also going to use national resources. Uniformed Gardaí will be on patrol as usual and they'll be enforcing the public health uh, regulations and they will as they've been doing all over the country they'll adopt the four E approaches first which is to engage with people try to educate people try to encourage people and they will try to encourage people to go home but if all else fails uh, they will use enforcement members of the Garda Public Order Unit will also be on standby for a rapid deployment if required. And that's obviously if a violent element decides to mingle with the crowd and then decides to uh, uh, kick off. Shops and businesses. Now, there will be shops and businesses, the ones that are allowed to open under under Level 5. They will... Re- they will continue on as normal and I feel for people in the city centre because obviously the businesses are probably going to be a bit worried about it and they will be open for people who want to pop in to the shop and obviously if people are within their 5k and they're exercising within their 5k and they have an essential reason for going to the shops you will still be allowed uh, to do that but the message from Angarda Siakona is simple. COVID-19 is still a public health pandemic and it's an offence for any person to organise an event such as a rally. It is not considered a reasonable excuse by the way to leave your home to attend such an event either. Rallies like this according to the Gardaí are not helping anyone to get out of lockdown faster. A spokesperson from Garda Siakona says we will manage this in a peaceful way but we do have certain powers under the Health Act and we will use them where appropriate. A person outside their home on a non-essential journey is liable for a €100 fine if the person found in breach of the Public Health Act then fails to comply with Angarda Siakona to return home. They are potentially committing a second offence and for that they could face... uh, court. Now the People's Convention they are said that they who are behind the anti-lockdown uh, are said to be behind the anti-lockdown rally tomorrow and of course it's the former county councillor and anti-water charge campaigner Dermot O'Kyla. He says he has been appointed as spokesperson for the organisation. So as of now Unless we hear something differently from uh, today, it looks like that that rally is going to go ahead. But it is, as I say, I, it, I don't know if it's just me, but I am really, really fearful about this on two levels. One, I don't want to see what happened in Dublin last weekend. And my second and equally as big a fear, I don't want it to turn into some kind of a, st- a super spreading event that all you need is one or two people to mingle in the crowd who have COVID, who don't realise they have COVID, spreading it on and then it gets sent out to all over the city and county if people have travelled. I wonder will there be many guard checkpoints on all the routes into the city, stopping cars and asking people, you know, do they have an essential journey? Because it looks like from that piece in the examiner today that the guardie will ask people... And will say if you, you know, going to a rally is not a reasonable excuse of you're outside your 5K. So unless you're in walking distance of where that rally is planned, anyone outside the 5K could be legitimately stopped by the guards and you could be fined €100. Euro. And then if you still say, no, I'm going to the rally, then you could find yourself ending up in a, a court. But 
what, would you agree with the Gardaí? Do you think it's only right and proper that the organisers of the event, they could face criminal investigations? I mean, that's what the Gardaí are looking at at the moment. And then what really got to me was the passionate plea on social media by Katrina Toomey of Cork Penny Dinners. She begged people to stay away from protests and asked them to encourage others to do the same. And this is what she put up on social media. She said, I'm writing this because my heart is breaking and I'm scared. Scared because there will be a protest in our city on Saturday and people I love and care about may be put at risk unnecessarily. I'm writing I'm asking those who are going to protest to think of those who are struggling. Don't take our lives in your hands. Err on the side of caution and please let us all be safe. Is it worth losing someone? Let's stick together and ride it through as best we can. If you really want to do something, then think about us and stay at home. And I thought that was such a passionate plea on behalf of Katrina Toomey. How many people will listen? I don't know. And I know the Cork Business Association, they've also appealed to members of the general public to please do not attend the protest. So like lots of people coming out and saying, you know, don't do it, don't do it if for no other reason but there is the chance that you're going to spread the virus. Bearing in mind that we here in Cork now have the lowest incident of COVID-19 rate in the entire country. It's the latest data released by the Health Protection Surveillance Centre. You know, they, they pull up the figures showing and all across the county the numbers are down but as of midnight on Wednesday there was 29 new cases reported here in Cork but that gives us a 14 day incident rate, you know the way they do it per 100,000 of the population we're at 60.6 per 100,000, we're just fractionally lower than the next best county which was Kerry Kerry have been on the bottom of the list and we've been second on the bottom but we've just pushed Kerry out of the way. Kerry are on 60.9 so it really is a fraction between the two counties. Bearing in mind that the national average is currently at 190.2% per 100,000. So we're a good way off at 60.6 from 190.2. And the HSC Chief Executive Paul Reid saying Ireland's incident of COVID-19 is continuing to improve. Now, albeit that it is at a slower rate than what they would have preferred, but it is falling everywhere. But it is particularly falling here in uh, Cork. And Paul Reid saying that the positive signs of the impact of vaccinations is also beginning to uh, emerge because we spoke about that earlier in the week. There's less people in healthcare people on the front line, less of those now coming down with COVID-19 because they've been vaccinated and of course the real positive news are those in our nursing homes and residential settings because the majority of those have been fully vaccinated at this stage and uh, we are seeing a fall off in the numbers of cases there as well. So it is, people are abiding by the rules and regulations, the majority of us are not moving outside our 5k, we're not mixing with anybody else so we're not in danger of getting it or passing, passing it on so that side of it is working and the vaccine side of it is working. We just need to make sure that we don't have anyone breaching any of the rules and regulations for another. Just, you know, the end is in sight. You know, the end is light at the end of the tunnel and just anything that could jeopardise it. Just like, as Katrina Toomey says, saddens her and scares her. And I'm, I'm with her 100% on this one. Some of your thoughts coming in about this anti-lockdown rally that's planned for Cork City tomorrow and says, what about the five kilometre rule? Surely people at 
attending that others than that live within five kilometres of the rally surely they will be breaching uh, that yes but I think some of the protesters are willing to do that they feel so strongly about the lockdown and want to uh, protest but the guard they have said it's an offence for for any person to organise an event such as a, a rally but it is also not considered a reasonable excuse to leave your home to an attend event like this so yes I think if you're stopped uh, by the Gardaí you could be fined €100 Euro if because it's not an essential the Gardaí will say to you it's not an essential uh, journey. Hi Patricia just a uh, personal thought on the protest tomorrow just thinking about what happened in Dublin last Saturday what a joke these kind of events always seem to end up in violence as you say we're on our way out of the pandemic hopefully but this carry on will just boost the virus uh, and of course there'll be no social distance because of the very nature of a rally or a protest. Watch the TV tomorrow after this event and yet again we'll be looking at scenes like we looked at in Dublin. In my view there will be trouble. Look at other countries, it's always the same. Why can't the guards stop this from taking place? Thanking you. Well we have heard that the guard they have a substantial operational policing plan. You know, I don't know, will they have every road into the city? Will they have guards stopping? I I don't know what way they're going to organise it, but they certainly are using, they're going to use divisional and regional guard uh, resources. They're calling in national uh, resources and uh, they will also have the guard, the public order unit on standby for rapid deployment. So obviously the guardie are nervous and worried about it. And I know the organisers are saying, you know, they want it to be peaceful. They don't want it to be violent, but you can't stop people who will go there with the intent on causing trouble, exactly like what happened in Dublin. I mean, who turns up for a peaceful protest carrying fireworks to fire at the Gardaí? You know, people went there with the intention of turning it into a violent protest. And that's, I think, that's certainly my fear and the fear, obviously, of the Gardaí if they have a, a substantial operational policing plan already in place for what has been billed a peaceful rally. Hi, Patricia. It seems people want this virus to continue as well as the lockdowns. Uh, People should, all of the people who attend should get a heavy fine It'll never end with this kind of carry-on. Will people cop themselves on, please, and get a little bit of sense? And then Jur in Ahada has contacted us, spoke to John Paul on the phone a couple of minutes ago to say he will be going to the protest tomorrow. Now, he says he will be wearing a mask. He says, if there was no big deal about it, I probably wouldn't go. But I feel our politicians are gone beyond a joke. If everybody wears a mask, we will all be OK. I've never done anything like this before but people need to get back to normal and get back to work there is so much mental health stress out there but it's my right to protest says Ger he also feels that the five kilometre restriction is all uh, wrong and listen I know people are frustrated and I can sense your frustration Ger and I can sense your frustration with the government and all of that but there is a virus there There, the COVID-19 is there we know how contagious the particular strain that's in this country is there is is at the moment the UK strain and if you get large groups of people together the virus isn't going to stand there and say oh these people are protesting I'll leave them all alone I really hope everything stays fine and stays well for you Jern I also see in your comment that your mum is 90 I don't know if you're living with your mother or not and she hasn't been called for her vaccine yet we're going to be talking about delays with some of the over 85s 
it is hoped that by next week there are about 65, I think, GP practices, mainly in rural areas. I'm assuming your mum's GP practice is one of the practices that hasn't had the vaccines in yet. So I take it she can expect to hear from her GP next week. But all I will say, and as I say, I don't know if you're living with your mother or not, but if you are going to that protest tomorrow, even with wearing a mask, remember, Ger, you wear a mask to protect the person next to you. Let's hope the person next to you and, and everybody else around you are wearing masks uh, as well but please just be very careful of your mother at 90 when she hasn't been vaccinated she could be very very vulnerable uh, indeed. Uh, Ian in Mitchestown says we're all doing so well at the moment we are really nearly at the end of this lockdown come April there will be more vaccines on the way into this country and by June things will really be turning around with bright evenings we'll be able to get out for walks and by June so many people hopefully will have been vaccinated and hopefully we'll be able to meet up again sometime in April even if it's only out in our garden but these marches and these protests could set us back big time if COVID uh, spreads. And that, I think, is the big problem that everybody has. It's the danger that we're now doing so well. We know we were doing so well last year. We saw what happened when we eased up too quickly. We saw what happened before Christmas, allowing people in, allowing people to socialise, allowing people to mix. And that's where we are, where we are, because of what happened in Christmas. John in Mallow says we're in the longest lockdown in Europe. Patricia, don't worry about the protest increasing COVID. Those coming in via our airports are already doing this. Why they're camping forward, the quarantining in our hotels. I've never known what other piece of I've known other pieces of legislation that could be passed overnight. Why are they taking so long with the with the quarantining? People have a right to protest as the government are not doing their jobs. Vaccines have been delayed. People are getting more frustrated. John also feels that the 5K needs to be relaxed at this stage. So I take it you're supporting. I don't know if John is going himself, but he is supporting the people that are protesting tomorrow. While John in Bantry says every road into Cork City should simply be blocked tomorrow. If somebody dies tomorrow, because of the spread of COVID those attending should be fined heavily. Everyone's entitled to protest but please, please don't be doing it during a pandemic. 1850 Some of your comments coming into us. Keep them coming. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Yesterday we mentioned that a number of people over the age of 85 were let down after they were told the promised delivery of COVID 19 vaccine to their GPs either failed to arrive or they received too few doses to see what the situation is like locally. I'm joined by Cork GP and Councillor. John Sheehan. Good morning to you, John. Morning, Patricia. And, and you're welcome to the programme. Firstly, in your own practice, I believe your vaccines have just arrived. They have. They've arrived within the last hour, which is a huge sense of relief, Patricia, because we have a clinic with all our over 85 coming um, later on this morning. And, you know, when you hear the other stories that have happened nationally of supplies not arriving or the needles and syringes, because there are special, uh, special syringes for it, not arriving, you're always really nervous that they won't arrive. So there was a huge sense of relief. And there's a fair sense of excitement as well, I'd have to say, among all our staff, um, you know, that we're all up, we're all ready to go. And, you know, the, the, the patients we were ringing to confirm them coming yesterday, and they are excited as well because they want their lives back and they want to get start getting back to normal. And this is a big step in that process. And they have a beautiful day to, to come to the surgery as well, don't they? 
They really yeah. do. And one of my other colleagues, um, you know, I saw that we, we weren't clever enough, but one I know one of the other surgeries, they had got balloons with the words hope in it. Ah. And I thought that was just a lovely sort of message to give out because there is a sense of hope. You know, spring is coming. The vaccine, although frustratingly slow, is beginning to roll out. And we're beginning to see, in terms of the figures nationally, that it's making a difference. It's made a huge impact among healthcare workers. It's beginning to make a big difference among the over 85s now and, and the other age groups as it's been rolled out. And we just need more of it is the simple answer to, 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 to the concerns and the frustrations. OK, and the, and I know there's huge disappointments that the target to have all over 85s vaccinated by the end of this week. And we now know that's not going to be met, even though the hope is that it will be met next week. Is that your understanding as well? That's our understanding. So they seem to be, um, it, to be fair to the HSE, it seems to be mainly related to the supply. As soon as it comes in, it goes out. Now, there have been issues in terms of not being enough supply um, out there. And I know colleagues who had uh, vaccination clinics set up all ready to go and then they didn't get the vaccine and that causes huge disruption for patients uh, and their families who've taken time off and they're all ready for it and things like that um, to, to be fair in the last week they set up a GP liaison team so we got a call earlier this week to say this is how many we're getting we got a confirmation email uh, yesterday to say that it was coming and to be fair it came uh, this morning so, so that's good and that's an improvement the other big change, Patricia, that we got was yesterday we got a notification to say that all our high-risk patients, um, because we'll have a lot of patients who will have, say, chronic lung issues and maybe under 70 or attending oncology for chemotherapy, and that those who are attending hospitals, the hospitals now are going to start identifying them and vaccinating them with the AstraZeneca vaccine. So that's another positive step because they were patients who were waiting. They were under 70. They knew they weren't going to get to be able to get the vaccine probably for another month or so uh, in, in general practice. So now the hospitals are starting to focus on them and starting to give them the vaccine. And patients needn't do anything in that regard. The hospitals have said that they're going through it and they're identifying their patients and they're going to start vaccinating them. I presume because now they've finished most of the healthcare workers they're moving on to this group. So that's a positive step, I think. And if Johnson & Johnson gets the go-ahead by the European Medicines Board and it's expected to be in a few days' time, the 11th of March ne- next week, that's the one, and I know we've used Game Changer before, but that's the one really, particularly from the GP's point of view, It's you just store it in your fridge. Yeah, very much so. And I think in April you're going to see a huge ratchet-up um, of the numbers being vaccinated because of Johnson & Johnson and the supply issues as well. Um, that, that is a bit like the flu vaccine. It can be kept in the fridge, so it doesn't have the same issues that you know the Pfizer vaccine and the Moderna vaccine uh, have. Um, so it can be much given much easier. And I think in April you're going to see um, you know the big centres, the Mallow GA, City Hall and Cork, Parky Keith, uh, CIT, and all of those centres start ratcheting up more and more. Um, so that, I think, will be good. And I think there'll be a huge sense of relief. And anyone who was given the vaccine has said it's probably one of the most uplifting things that they have done in the last 12 months, where you're really giving people hope um, and a feeling that you're putting this year behind us. Other countries are starting to reconsider the decision to give the AstraZeneca vaccine to the over 70s. I mean, there's really good evidence on the efficacy in that age group. Do you think we should look at that, that NIAC should look at that again? 
I, I certainly do, yeah. And this was always going to happen because there was nothing to suggest that the AstraZeneca wouldn't work in the over 70s. They just didn't have the evidence from the initial trials to show that. So they, they took kind of the precautionary principle that they would use the vaccines that had the, the evidence. But that evidence now is coming out to show that it does work in the over 70s. And, you know, the, the best vaccine is the vaccine that you have. That's the bottom line that you can get because that's the one that will protect you. So I certainly think it's great to see now it's been rolled up more uh, for the vulnerable groups under 70. If it's doing that, that's fine. If we have enough of the others to, to do, you know, the over 70s, that's great. But the big thing is just to get people vaccinated and get it out there. OK, we've had a number of listeners contact us about the, the, the this anti-lockdown rally tomorrow. A lot of people are very nervous and and upset about it. How, what's your feeling on the rally that's planned for the city? I, I, I would absolutely share those concerns, Patricia. I think here we are uh, this morning talking about vaccinations and about the start of vaccination clinic for people over 85 whose lives have been changed in the last year due to cocooning and not seeing their friends and family and who probably know people who've got COVID and who've passed away from COVID given their age. And then we have a rally that really, you know, we could do without. And that we saw in Dublin that the, the trouble and that caused out of this. And unfortunately, although some people will be very well-meaning and have beliefs with the rally, it tends to attract a lot of messers. There's no two ways about it. And I think, really, we could just be focusing on getting, you know, getting on top of the COVID and getting out the gap with that. And I think we could do without the rally. That's my own opinion. OK, we'll let you get back to your work of vaccinating your over 85s and enjoy the day because, as you say, every single GP practice that we have spoken to all talk about, as you say, that sense of excitement and almost a, a day of celebration. Absolutely, yeah. Okay. Thanks, Richard. Okay, God bless. Take care. That is uh, Dr. John uh, Sheehan, also Councillor John Sheehan, former Lord uh, Mayor. And can I just say to Jur, remember it was Jur in Ahada who contacted us when we were talking about the protest and he said that he is planning on going tomorrow and he's a right to protest and all of that. But he also, at the end of his comment, John Paul said that his mother is 90 and that she still hasn't received her vaccine. Now, I don't know, I have no way of knowing if lives with his mother in Ahada or if his mother is from Ahada because the minute I said that uh, that it, you know 90 year old didn't have her vaccine yet and I was saying you know could be one of the rural GPs practices that haven't received the vaccines yet and it's expected that all, everybody over the age of 85 including jurors lovely mum at 90 will have the vaccine next week at the very latest Morris was on straight away to say I can tell you every person over 85 in Ahada got their jab yesterday the local doctors here in Lower Ahada they were all delighted and they'll be getting their second one on the 1st of April many thanks to Dr Mulcahy and his team and that comes in from uh, Morris so I don't know if Jer's mum is living in Ahadar or not, but if she is Jer and you're still listening to us, I would suggest that you pick up the phone and give your mum's GP practice a call just to make sure that something hasn't happened, that she hasn't been, been forgotten about, even though I would find it very hard that any GP uh, would forget about somebody because they're all so bringing their A game on this and contacting people and letting people know when the vaccine is going to arrive. And that's why it was so heartbreaking for so many GP practices around the country who discovered that at almost at the last 
the 11th hour in some cases that they weren't getting the vaccine and they had already been on to their over 85s and they had to get on to them again then to cancel the appointment and you know people were so disappointed and so upset including the GPs and their staff who had to make those calls. So Jar, if your mum is in Ahada I would suggest listening to Morris he reckoned everybody in that particular practice everybody over the age of 85 got their jabs yesterday. 1850 John Paul taking your calls you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Now, Sinn Fein spokesperson on higher education, Deputy Rose Conway Walsh, has warned of a looming mental health crisis among students and is urging the government to act urgently. Uh, Deputy Rose Conway Welsh joins me to discuss the findings of a survey which was published yesterday and this is on student well-being. Good morning to you Rose. Good morning. And and you're welcome to the programme. Now many if not all students who took part in the survey I I, I take it they're all learning remotely. How are they getting on with that learning remotely? Now there was a combination but obviously most of them are learning remotely um, but some of them are on campus depending on the courses that they're doing. Now, Patricia, the results of the survey are really alarming and it makes it absolutely clear that the mental health and well-being of students um, is under extreme pressure. And they're saying loneliness, stress and anxiety uh, are prevalent among those students. So nine out of ten of those students are telling us that they are really struggling with loneliness, with stress and that they're feeling disconnected. And I think the high numbers really do make it alarming. Is it harder on the first year students at third level who've never experienced college life before and don't, didn't even really know what to expect? It is indeed. That's what's coming through as well, Patricia. So one in every four first years weren't aware of the mental health supports and the counselling services that were available in the colleges. And you can imagine as well somebody, you know, starting in first year, at least if you were in second year or third year, you'll have built up some relationships. But when you're in first year, you have never met face to face. Um, the, 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 the other students in the class, you haven't met your lecturers face to face or anything like that. So you haven't got a feel for college. So it is, uh, there is an extra uh, a stress uh, on the first year students as well. And what about living conditions then? Can that make it harder for some students? Well, a lot of them cited, you know, one of them cited that they were 20 hours up to 20 hours in the same spot in their bedroom. It can really depend on the, um, the circumstances within the household. So where you have younger siblings or a number of siblings, obviously, that makes it more challenging. But we know as well, in the middle of the pandemic, many households and many families are experiencing um, real financial difficulties as well and stresses and strains. So many households aren't conducive to students participating uh, fully um, in their online lectures. And that is apart from the broadband, from the connectivity problems that people are experiencing as well. It, so all of that combined just feeds into this loneliness, stress and isolation. And that's why I think this is a really useful piece of, of research uh, to bring to the minister. 
what I don't want to do, Patricia, is the main thing is that I don't want this to be permanent. So the, the, the impact on the mental health and well-being as it is at the moment, it needs to be temporary and it needs to be as temporary as we can possibly make it so that it stops, so that it doesn't continue into um, the life cycle of, of, of studying in the future, of the workforce in the future and of the, the, the lives of these students again, so that it's addressed uh, in real time. And you mentioned for the first years in particular because they will be unaware of uh, supports. I mean, what supports are available for college, from colleges and universities? And, and I take it they are aware that many of the students are struggling. Uh, yes, they are. Um, uh, they are aware. And I have to commend the work that's been done by USI and indeed the students' unions in all of the colleges have found it really challenging this year. But there are some supports available. So even the text uh, helpline, the 24-7 uh, mental health support line, that's the 50808 number that people can text. Um, that's really important. You have aware as well and uh, you have the Samaritans and the, the other one have turned to me. So there are a number spun out as well, do very useful work. So there are a number of places that people can go, but it's often in the ask. And the more isolated that students can get, um, the more difficult it is for them to access things. Now, we do know that we need extra resources within the colleges and we need more psychologists and we need more counsellors. So... As our own spokesperson on mental health, Mark Ward, uh, was was saying in the recent legislation that he tabled, um, was that they need to. There's no point if somebody is brave enough um, to um, to ask for help, and they have come to a point where we're. I'm going to ask for help today. Then telling that young person that it's going to be nine weeks before they get the counselling that's necessary isn't good enough. So we need more counsellors as well and we need them to be uh, more accessible. Like there's an enormous, um, we uh, 183,000 uh, students at the moment do full-time third level education. So it's it's enormous population. And then you have all their families as well because you know if you have a young person at home who is really struggling, who's confining themselves to the room, who, who has mental health difficulties and challenges, it'll impact on all of the family, on the siblings and on the parents as well in trying to get uh, help. So the whole of the household... Yeah, we had a mother only last week contact us. She has a first year... Uh, third level student in the household and a final year uh, student and she said both of them are struggling and the the knock-on effect is the whole family are, are definitely affected by it. But then, Rose, what was your reaction to the scenes of the, the student street party in Limerick? That hasn't helped the cause of third level students this week. No, it hasn't. And there's nobody more disappointed than the students that I've been talking to during the week of that behaviour. Now, Patricia, whether that behaviour is exhibited by somebody of 19 or 90, it is completely wrong. It is dangerous. Um, it can cost lives and it has to stop. But to tar, you know, the 183,000 full-time students because a small number of students display that behaviours, I think would be wrong as well um, in that. But, you know, that has to be has to be dealt with. It's not acceptable on any level. OK, and what do you hope to do with the findings of this uh, survey? Are you going to give them to the government? Absolutely. I will be presenting them to uh, Minister Harris 
and he's in the Dáil next week as well, so there'll be a number of questions for him. I hope he will take um, take them on board and he will address some of the problems. I suppose financially as well, Patricia, we, we have um, the, the USI legislation around accommodation. Um, I presented it in the Dáil last week and we're hoping as a party to bring that as quickly as possible um, through the through the Oireachtas because that is the legislation that will prevent students from being ripped off in terms of accommodation. So many students and families didn't get refunds for the accommodation they had paid up front for. And all that financial pressure as well leads to real stress there. So there's a number of key things that can be done to alleviate the stress as well as providing the support. And I'm hoping that the government will listen to what uh, what we are proposing. OK, listen, uh, Rose, thank you for that. And thanks for joining us on the programme today. Thank you, Patricia. Good morning, Good morning to you. Bye bye. That is uh, Sinn Fein Deputy Rose Conway Walsh, eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. John Paul, taking your calls if you want to text or WhatsApp oh eight six two one zero three one zero three. And just by the way, on the phone calls, uh, I've because I can see the phones ringing in here. Uh, John Paul is answering the calls on his own, and they've been very very busy this morning. So please uh, do have patience with us. You can always email the program as well with your comments to Patricia at c one zero three A listener says. Patricia, where is it? You're living in a fool's paradise, as the saying goes. Nothing is ever going to be uh, the same. Yeah, I, I, I think it will be a new normal. It will be a new normal, but I do think we will get back to some kind of a new normal. And if that means living in a fool's paradise, I will never give up hope. I will never give up hope of some kind of normal life returning. If that's living in a fool's paradise, then yes, I probably am. Thank you for your text to 0862 103 103. Going to take a break. We've news at 11 on the way. In the next hour, the lovely John Creedon joins us in advance of his new TV show that starts next Sunday. Court Today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life yeah. and health insurance, cmig.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Let me go to a lot of commentary in by text and by uh, calls. Hi, Patricia. Listening to Rose, who spoke in the last hour on that survey that they did on the mental health and well-being of students at third level and young people talking about feeling lonely and feeling very isolated and not everybody coping with third level education during uh, the lockdown. I agree wholeheartedly, says Michael, with her narrative. But what really gets me are the large volume of suicides that are happening practically on a daily basis in this country in people over the age of 50 because of the pandemic. Sadly, I think they are being forgotten about. Thanking you, says Michael. We do have a huge issue with mental health at the moment. And you're right, we're not. Anecdotally, I think we're hearing, people are hearing of somebody that they knew or a loved one who sadly has uh, taken their own life and will we ever get accurate figures as to how many are directly attributed to the pandemic I don't know but but you're right and I, I do think mental health as a topic is getting covered but probably not getting enough media attention or enough is there a political will to sort this problem or not I don't know but yeah you're right to be worried Michael and I don't think you're on your own I think a lot of people are very very concerned about mental health and how mental health is affecting people during the uh, pandemic. Patricia, do you know if dialysis patients in Fomoy are being vaccinated, they've started to get vaccinated in Cork. I don't know 
about dialysis patients in Formoy, but what I do know is that the HSE have confirmed that they're starting vaccinating people with the underlying conditions. Remember the priority list changed uh, last week and these are people who are at high risk of COVID-19 and they're beginning the first of uh, those. They said they're beginning the first of them next week but that text leads me to believe some have already received their vaccinations but 10,000 are expected to be vaccinated next week in that high at-risk group and when that, that list came out last week certainly dialysis patients were on it. They reckon there's 160,000 patients in the group and it's the hospitals and actually Dr John Sheen just confirmed that in the last hour as well. It's the hospitals, the GPs have been contacted to, to say you don't have to contact us, we're, getting, we're doing it through the hospitals. So it's the hospitals will identify them and then they, the hospital will notify you when your vaccine is ready and people in that at-risk group are going to be giving the AstraZeneca uh, vaccine. Uh, Colm Henry, the HSE's chief lead, acknowledges though it's going to be tricky to identify all of the relevant people in the group but they are saying for the moment patients should wait to hear from the hospital they attend and some of the conditions that they're talking about vaccinating first include people with uh, cancer. I think that's people who are currently getting treatment, getting chemotherapy I'm sure was the one that was on the list but chronic uh, people with chronic kidney disease so that obviously would be your dialysis patient in Formoy chronic neurological disease and chronic respiratory disease but it's the hospital that are identifying the patient so obviously if you're a dialysis patient and you're attending a hospital it's the hospital will identify you and they will tell you but certainly for next week they're looking at 10,000 they won't get all of the patients done next week but the rollout is beginning so if you're texting as a dialysis patient or be, or be on behalf of a patient you should be expecting to hear uh, soon and then lots of people still talking about the uh, rally that is planned for tomorrow. Let me give you some of the commentary that's in on that. Those people thinking of protesting tomorrow, are they for real, says the texture? Do they think the virus will retreat with that kind of carry on? Could they not have a virtual protest if they want to and show due respect for frontline workers and for COVID victims? What exactly are they hoping to achieve by protesting tomorrow? Because all they will achieve could be more deaths due to COVID. Will it all be worth it? Are they so stupid that they can't see the opposite to lockdown is actually deaths in the community for many, many people. John, thank you for that. John and Carrie Galine says, we'll see tomorrow what kind of law we have in this country as in the force. Bring in the army. Shut the city down. We're in level five lockdown. End of problem, says John in Carrie Galine. While Mary says, Patricia, the real fuel behind the rally scheduled for tomorrow is the fact that there are so many people flying into Dublin Airport every day. Over 11,000 people on one day alone recently and we are all locked down here. Cop on government. They're totally lacking efficiency and proper management. Uh, and a lot of people are picking up on that, the fact that flights are allowed into this country. Firstly, Mary, I'll correct you, that figure of 11,000 wasn't on one day alone. They were the figures that we spoke about earlier on in the week. It was 11,000 across a week. It was the week last week, the week from February the 22nd to the 28th, a total of 11,000. 1,607 people but it was over a seven day period it wasn't on one day I still accept 11,000 people uh, is still too many but they weren't all people coming into this country the over 7,500 of them were Irish people returning from holidays people who decided that they'd go away in a jolly and have a little bit of a holiday if it was to do with the midterm I don't know because it was a 10% increase on flights into Dublin Airport on passengers into Dublin Airport on the previous week but the majority of the Irish people getting off the planes when they were asked they said that they, had, they were coming back from 
from holidays but I know that totally and absolutely frustrates people and I'm sorry now says this texter this is reacting to Jur in Ahada who was one of the first to contact us when I mentioned to the rally to say he's going tomorrow he said he's never been at a protest like this before be so sick of lockdown so sick of the 5k rule he is going on the protest tomorrow he says he will wear a mask and he feels wearing a mask will keep him and others safe and then at the end of his phone call to John Paul he said and by the way my mother who's 90 hasn't received her vaccine yet well somebody says I'm sorry now but what a complete idiot his mother is 90 and he's planning on protesting a protest that will achieve nothing tomorrow very irresponsible of that man Jer. shame on him he should be leading by example particularly with his mother who is 90 and I don't know if he lives with his mother or not or how, how much in close contact he is with his uh, mother Nolan Kilmurray says hello Patricia with regards to tomorrow's protest you may remember about 10 years ago the visit to Cork of Queen Elizabeth of England the Queen of England I do the guards had no problem that day closing down the entire city centre for most of the day legitimate protesters were banished to Sullivan's Quay so as Mrs Windsor would not be inconvenienced presumably the same thing could be done tomorrow kind regards says Nolan Kilmurray I do remember that and they did it in Dublin as well and do you remember the scenes of Queen Elizabeth driving through the streets of Dublin there was no one around it was the, the eeriest kind of a feeling and it was May time wasn't it the weather was particularly uh, nice but they did that and they did allow legitimate protesters but they made sure that they were well away from where the cars with the royals were, were in so yeah it's a good point Noel they've done it before couldn't they do it again and Michael says Patricia there should be emergency legislation brought in by the government to outlaw protests or marching during a pandemic it only makes sense it's nonsense to say I can't travel beyond 5k and yet I can drive to Cork or Dublin to protest something not right there says our Michael Tom in Formoy says, tell Jer in Ahada that plans to protest, tell him to cop himself on. We are nearly at the finish line. We've less than a half a mile to go. It's like going to war and on the last day getting shot. And that is what these protesters are possibly doing. Magella in Mallow says, I'm listening to people that are not happy with the COVID restrictions and the 5k rule and that they can't travel uh, anywhere. Yes, I'm the same. I'd love to visit the beach. I'd love to go visit my son who lives in Limerick, but I will wait and I will wait until it is safe. But what I can't understand is that people must have great lives as apart from the drive to the beach or missing out on visiting my family. I'm not missing out on that much with lockdown and I'm keeping COVID away at the same time. It's no harm really that these restrictions came in. It just shows people what luxuries are and how much they appreciate uh, luxuries when lockdown is lifted. But there's somebody who's enjoying lockdown and you're not on your own. I think, Magella, you're not on your own. I think the majority are not happy with lockdown for sure. But there are a proportion of people who are quite enjoying the relaxed pace of life and people who probably led fairly quiet lives before the lockdown who are not seeing that much difference to their lives Except that, you know, you can't just get in the car and go to the beach. There's only, you know, small things that are they're put out by. But overall, there are people that are enjoying the peaceful way of life. So I don't think you're on your own, Magella. Thank you for your call. Killian in Kanturk said he watched a TV programme that was on last night. It was on the Civil War and how the Civil War split this country in two. 
There was opinion on both sides of the divide uh, because of uh, breaking away from the UK and the treaty and all all of that and everything that was underway at the time and we ended up with a divided uh, country. Killian said, listening to some of your callers this morning, Patricia, it's almost like we've got another civil war and this time it's COVID. We have people fighting, people are against each other. Some are want the lift the restrictions lifted. Others are seeing the reasons why we need the restrictions in place. The virus is lurking in the crowds and seems to be in there in the middle of it. It's like we have another civil war. As saddened Killian is to hear so many people fighting and on opposite sides of the fence. Christine in the city says I'm a firm believer in peaceful protests. There's a lot of talk about the protest tomorrow but that's only because of what happened to the protest in Dublin last Saturday. The majority that went along last Saturday were there for a peaceful protest. I think the media driving these protests due to the violent uh, element. Well, I think the there was an element of, there was a proportion of the media turned out last week to cover that protest. But there wasn't a huge media attendance at the start because even the journalist that we interviewed on Monday about the protest said that he wasn't going. He was just following it online. And it was when online he started to see violence started. It was people on social media started pu- putting up posts of what was happening That then led to the media picking up on it. But a peaceful protest per se wouldn't have attracted that much media attention. But it was so I don't think you can quite blame the media for fueling it. They just picked up on the fact that there was so much violence there. Anyway, back to your comment, Christine, in the city. She feels the Cork protest should go ahead as why should the peaceful give in to a violent minority? She's been sticking with the 5K rule all along. But after Micheál Martin's recent announcement, she said, I just got fed up with it. Everybody's coming in and out of our airports and we're not stopping people getting off of planes. So many people citing that. And John in Skibarine says, why are the army, where are the army that we're paying for? Why not bring in the army? Man all of the roads into the city. Let the army walk around the city. The Gardaí can't do everything as they don't have a big enough force. So why not use the army the army onto our streets. I don't know how many people would agree with having the army roaming around on the streets or not but John feels that's what we need to do. 1850-333-103 John Paul taking your calls, text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 C103 Jobs Plasters are required for work in the Mallow Cork area. Now a safe pass is essential. Production and packaging operatives wanted for Mallow, while electricians and electrician mates are required for Ringeskiddy. And Crystal Earths there in Mallow Town, they are looking for an admin assistant to help with stock control and website admin. You can in the you can apply via email. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Now, John Creedon is back with another TV series explaining the true meaning of some of Ireland's most unusual place names. And in episode one, which airs next Sunday at 6 30, John travels to Cork and Wexford. And John Creedon takes time out uh, to join me on the programme. Good morning to you, John. 
Good morning, Patricia. Uh, I didn't have to travel too far to get the cork, I can tell you. Well, I tell you, I, I was just, I was thinking my opening question was going to be, sure, sure, where else would you start the journey but in this beautiful county of uh, Cork? Now, when was the series recorded and did lockdown restrictions affect filming? Oh, did it what? In fact, I think you've answered the second, the first question with the second question. The reason we began in Cork was because the whole thing was very tentative. It was on again, off again, on again, off again. It went very well last year. The figures were, viewing figures were very good, so they were keen to go. So I knew from January or February that we were gearing up to go. But because of, uh, I suppose, COVID, as it rolled in, in say, for us anyway, certainly in February, March, it was looking as though it was off again, on again, off again, on again. They came up with a whole new model for filming. Um, so the only thing we lost out on really was the big community stuff that we often do, like Ishnok, you know, with horses and fire and processions. And So we lost out on, on that. We lost out, lost out on crowd scenes. But apart from that, the countryside looked beautiful. Um, it was at the lowest level in terms of restrictions. That's why I'm hoping people don't start giving out and saying, Luke O'Neill isn't a full two metres away from John Creed, nor why isn't he wearing his mask? Because in truth, we were at the, I suppose, the opportune time, which was, if I remember correctly, was it June, July? Yeah, it was when most of us were staycationing. And I have to say, most of us got to see parts of this beautiful island. Certainly, I'm I'm in there that we've never visited before. I mean, I went up around Galway and I've never done that. I'm embarrassed to say I'd never been up around that neck of the woods before. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, like, I kind of take that for granted. Maybe it's work, but I'm always, I seem to be, like for the last 40 years, I'm crisscrossed in the country and um, I won't say no at the back of my hands, but I do know it fairly well. And um, and what amazed me is the number of people, particularly the last 20 years, Patricia, who didn't kind of holiday in Ireland. Why would you? Celtic Tiger years, couple of bob in the bank. As soon as you get your holiday, straight to the airport, out to Spain, Portugal, wherever. And I can see why people would have done that. So this year, a whole generation who may have only ever been to Dingle for a weekend or to Athlone for a, for a hen party or Galway for a stag party, all of a sudden they were looking at two weeks in North Mayo or someplace. And once you kind of accept that, yeah, it's Irish weather and it's probably better for you than being bathing with the sun, um, people said, Jesus, this country is beautiful. So I think in ways it's kind of very timely, everything I've been doing. This is a labour of love of mine for years anyway. But um, the book I did last year as well, That Place We Call Home, is kind of ideal for staycationers. And today, they've um, it's come out in paperback. Well done, well done. So, so it goes into your glove box kind of thing, because inside there, there's a glossary for translating uh, names. So you come to, you know, um, say for example, Drogheda. Uh, Drihit, or that's a bridge, Aha, all right, you know, and New Bridge, you know. So the point is that as people go, because I had loads of people over the last few months saying to me, Jesus, if we had you in the van on our holidays, on our staycation, you could have told us what Connemara means or what the Burren means. And so, so and it's, it's fantastic it. for children. And if you yeah. and if you are going on a long car journey, we you know we nearly there, are we nearly there? It's a yeah. great way to keep children busy and amused. And what's that Absolutely. road sign? Let's check out what you think that means. And I think that's one thing that your book um, and I, I had the privilege of of getting the book when it first came out, and that was one of the things I saw as the real plus to this book. You know, throw that into the back seat of the car with the kiddies and say, "Off yeah. you go, start working out place names." Well, the the idea with the paperback is that it's fit into a glove box, so that yeah. if you want to have a read because there is a narrative it's the, it's the evolution of place names in Ireland and there's some interesting and some humorous stories and so on in there but at the back there's a glossary with all those key terms yeah, so yeah. Bally Beg what could that mean Bally means town Beg means small got it 
small, small town. Or, small town. You know, or, or Newtown Ballynoe. How about that? That's the place so good they named it twice. <laughs> the same thing. Newtown Ballynoe. I knew it. But anyway. Now, so, you're, let's get back to the series. Even though the yeah. book was, is out in paperback, the book is called That Place We Call Home and the series is called Creedence Atlas of Ireland. You're joined by guests in every episode. Just give me an example of some of the, right. the guests who journeyed with you. Well, in episode one, um, there's a ver- it's a variety show, really. It's a variety of stories, all connected by place names. So the first one we did, actually one of the first items in the programme on Sunday, is about the evolution of the name Ireland. And in the last series, we did how the Celts called it Eriu after one of the three female goddesses, the three sisters, Eriu, Bamba and Fola. Eriu being the pregnant one, the the fat one, the abundant one. And when I look at the map of Ireland, I always think, Mama, it looks, to me, it's Mother Ireland. So whenever I see that map, especially when I'm abroad, it's all for me. If I, if I come across a map of Ireland suddenly when I'm abroad, to me, it looks like my mother's face in a crowd or something. It, it, there's oh. that connection yeah. with with Mother Ireland. So anyway, uh, from Eriu to Iron, as Pythias, the Greek traveller, called it, uh, Hibernia, as the Romans named it, and on it went. So we did all the early names and how the name evolved to Aaron and so on. And eventually, uh, in this series, we pick it up in the 1916 Rising. And really, it's about the changing name of Ireland as we uncoupled, I suppose, from Britain. So you had... Um, the Republic of Ireland, as declared by the proclamation, which still makes me weak at the knees. When I read that, I just think, God, that's such a beautiful aspiration. Mm-hmm. It, it's not just about one shade or another. It's about women's rights. It's about workers' rights. It's about the right to practice any religion you want or none. It's, it's, and it's, it's beautifully be- written. Beautiful. Yeah. And so, so, the, so I had dear Miss Ferriser in the GPO, and I had... Um, Clinton O'Toole as well. So the question I was asking there, obviously, is what actually is a republic? And in effect, I suppose it's democracy that doesn't have a king. So the first step they gave us was the Irish Free State. Now, we were still um, under London and we were still answerable to the the king, so to speak. So Sir Stark Meharan, the Irish Free State, was the first step. So what's a free state? Uh, Like the Orange Free State, which I remember from school books, was in Africa. Um, And then the evolution into the Republic of Ireland and Northern Ireland, which some people call the six counties. And there's a sentiment implicit in that. If you refer to the six counties, clearly it sounds as unfinished business or or, as a part that's separated from us. Where does that leave Monaghan and all the other border counties that are in the Republic? So, um, and then going forward, might there be more name changes? But, you know, um, some people refer, take, take for example, the Northern Ireland. Some people refer to it very staunchly as Ulster and nothing else. Others refer to it as the six counties. And then there's the Republic. And then every now and then you hear a unionist politician talk about the South or Southern Ireland. Yeah. There is no such place. So, yeah, really, yeah. What the, so what's in a name? And they, they can be very potent. And I think the two men uh, that I had, uh, Dermot Ferriter and Fintan O'Toole, Fintan O'Toole makes a great point. He said, we're the original hyphenated people. We're the Irish-Americans, the American, the Irish-Australians. We've travelled so much that we are the original hyphenated people. He said, I would like to think that we will embrace all the new people who've come in here, whether they're Polish-Irish or whatever, and that ultimately we don't have to be so kind of defined in indelible ink about what we are. That You know what I mean? That that, that, would, that would loosen a bit and that people would let go of 
very tight grips on their opinion of what Ireland is. So that's interesting. That hope is. About the and and a great of. hope, and a great hope for the future. Now I know on Sunday you go to Ballin Spittle, home of the first, home of the first moving statue. That was a that was a great crack. That was like the that, that was the priest, the professor, and the presenter, and and the trip to the Holy Well. What happened there was. Balance Spittle I was interested in anyway because what does it mean? And it's Bale Aha on Spiddale. So it's the mouth of the river of the hospital. And it's how Spiddle got its name up in Connemara. It's how Hospital County Limit got its name. Not necessarily a hospital as we know them today, but a place where infected people were, were kept. So back in the days before penicillin, if somebody was infected, and God, this brings us right back to previous epidemics and so on, um, people would be isolated. They would be kept outside the town walls for fear that it would spread through the city or through the town. That's why we have Lovers Walk in Cork. That was a Lawn and a Lower, or Shulman and a Lower. The Lepers Walk. So if you were infected, you were confined to barracks, so to speak. Mm. So wherever you have a shrine, a holy shrine like that, be it Lourdes, Garabandal, Fatima, Bansmittal, wherever there's meant to be... Um, religious activity, quite often it's surrounded by Holy Well because people come there looking for the cure. Now in 1985 when the first reports of the moving statue appeared in the media, I went down there and I sat on that grassy bank across from the statue with the crowds watching to see if I could witness anything. Did but you? Further along the embankment, did you? even though I didn't know him at the time, was Art Lohanlon. So oh, Father Duke. The comedian, yeah. Yeah. So and we by the way, there, did, you, did you see the statue move? I didn't. I, I have to say, I didn't. The person with me was convinced they did. I didn't at all, at all, at all. And back then, of course, at 21 or 22 years of age, there's there, there the snigger effect to be times. And the article said that's how he felt about it. He was down for a laugh. Um, but as we've matured, I hope, we've opened up to all possibilities, whether it be the Blessed Virgin, whether it be some spiritual energy, whether it be magnetic energy, whatever, opened. That's the position we came to, that we were both open to look this is a very ancient notion. Maybe there's truth in it. So what we did was, we said, we'll go to the Holy Wells, we'll recruit Professor Luke O'Neill and ask him to take the waters, to test the waters for us and to see if science would back up the belief system. Well, the results were actually very interesting because there's a logic to the belief. Uh, insofar as wells that are high in magnesium have curative properties, there was always this belief that copper, a copper wristband, was good for rheumatism and arthritis and stuff, and some waters were high in copper content. And so the point he was making was, if you were suffering from a skin disease, which was not uncommon at the time, it was, it was, it was often generically you know, referred to as leprosy, but if you were, and if you washed your face in this water or took the water, he said there would be it some had a cure. Effect, yeah. And even though they weren't scientists back then, he said... Through observation, through generations, farmers noticing that whenever my cattle drink from that bend in the river, they never seem to get that old hoof rot. Yeah, and yeah. It, you know, so he said, so like, there is quite often a logic uh, to an awful lot of... And of course, back in those days, they didn't have the science, so they, they uh, the people all over the country would have put it down to uh, a miracle. Now, as everybody in North Cork knows, point-to-point racing started between Butterfant and Donnerail. You came to Butterfant. I, 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 even, I even went to Boutevon <laughs> um, because as, as a young fellow going to Shannon or going to Limerick, I passed through Butterfield, my God, a thousand times. Stopped occasions there for cakes. Um, but, I, but I remember um, asking myself, is it Bo or something? 
is it the Butter Road? Butter, Buttervent, Buttervent. And one day, believe it or not, I was driving into Fota Estate, and there on the gates, uh, in huge letters, was written the three words, old French, Boute en avant, meaning strike out while advancing, you know, lash out in advancing. Boute en avant, in going forward. So, um, so I discovered that it's a fascinating story, really. When Strongbow, when the first of the Normans came into Ireland, that expedition with Strongbow, when they were invited in by Dermot MacMorrow to help him get his land back from the Breffney men and the Connick men and to re-establish himself as King of Leinster, he invited in those now Anglo-Normans. They had come in through Hastings and they had, they had settled in England and they were all over Wales, Cumbria and Barry Island, as it turns out. That's where we get the Barrys and Cork. They were actually Normans who settled in and around Barry Island. And they gave us our lovely tea. Yeah, and they got the surname De Barry. So Hugo De Barry, because he was from Barry Island, that's where they were living at that stage. He was recruited as well. Strombo said, listen, we're getting a raiding party together. There'll be lands in Ireland for all of us if we can kick these people off yeah, MacMorrow's lands. Um, I'll be marrying Aoife, and um, it'll all go well, and we bait these fellows, they're slapless. And so those archers and those well-trained Norman soldiers came across the Irish Sea. The Barrys were amongst them, and they clobbered the invaders in Leinster, sent them all scoring back to Cavan and back to Connacht. MacMorrow's reinstated. Strongbow settles there. He marries them, and his troops are given land and so on. So the but what became the Barry clan, ultimately, uh, were given lands that ran all the way from uh, Buttervent through around Donnerail, around the back of Mallow, through the na- kind of south of the Nagel Mountains, and all the way down in a kind of a, a, a horseshoe shape to the harbour to include the islands of Forty and Little Island and so on and so forth. So that's how the Barrys came. But the point I was making in this was Boute en avant was their motto, lash out and go forward. And I was saying to myself, it's no wonder Cork produced so many fine horrors called Barry. That's what we're good at. So, so Buttervent, there's a French connection to the name. Now, you travelled to Schlievliokra area. You must have discussed music. Oh, absolutely. Discuss it. I listened to it. I was silent, Patricia, which is unusual. I was just knocked sideways by Timmy O'Connor. The, the, he's the button accordion player from Turin Derby. Or as he said to me, Turin Dermot is the real name which means the little field, the little enclosure, a cattle enclosure of Dermot. He said, but we know the Turing Derby. And he played uh, a set to me inside in the, inside in the hay shed. Lovely man, 86 years of age, um, but a gent. And then we went down to Schacht again. And in Schacht, we had a great session there in the square. And really, what always struck against Steve Luker was a story I wanted to do, because it's in the book as well. It doesn't exist. Technically, it's not on the map. Technically, it's not on the GPS. Shri of Lucre is the name given, as you know, to that place that loosely straddles counties, the borders of Cork, Kerry and Limerick. So yeah, Killarney, it's an area. It's an inter- yeah. It's an, yeah. Killarney back to Ballivorney. Yeah. Ballivorney north as far as maybe Abbey Field in county in West Limerick. And in there, in that hill country, as I was saying, a man once said to me, it's nothing but bogs bulrushes and bachelors up here. So it's sparsely populated, <laughs> poor land and amazing music. And one of the reasons the music is so intact up there as it was hundreds of years ago is because, I, I believe, this is just my theory, there are no kind of real main roads going through it. You, you know, there's no major dance halls. Once you leave the Majestic and you, and I suppose <laughs> Newmarket, Newmarket, you the Highland and you had dancing in Killarney. So inside in this hill country, the pure drop survived, untouched, 
And it's still famous all over for the polkas, for the slides, for the snow airs. And it, it, so it was just an opportunity of saying, this place technically does not exist. This is like Tier Nanog. And But everybody up around there knows their Mishti of Lokra and are proud of it, except when it comes to Munster Championship time, when people retreat back into their own counties. And, uh, gets a bit and tricky. Gets a bit tricky. Listen, <laughs> I don't know how you fit it all into uh, one-hour shows, and there's three in total. The first one on next Sunday at half past six. It's called Creedence Atlas of Ireland. And a lovely text in saying, I could listen to John Creedon all day. He is so interesting. So my family. Yeah. So <laughs> looking forward to this programme that is from Mary, who's not related to John Creedon in any way. Listen, the best of luck. We're all looking forward to... Uh, to it and best of luck with the book which as you say is out in paperback today yeah, and, as and well and congrats on your own 30th and good luck with everything thanks a million pleasure so always to talk head. to you thank you for that bye 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 that is uh, the wonderful John Creedon uh, and somebody says uh, Patricia isn't John Creedon doing a lot of driving in a country that's in lockdown isn't it a fair point what's his criteria rule to avoid the 5k law says another John. John, at the start of my interview with John Creedon, I asked, I specifically asked him that because he says he knows as soon as this programme starts you're going to people saying we're in lockdown, what's he doing travelling around the country? It was recorded back during the summer when people were allowed to travel around uh, the country. He was actually due to record it earlier last year but because of the five kilometre rule and restrictions that were in place with the earlier lockdown they didn't go out and uh, travel and the filming of it was affected by restrictions but they abided by all of the restrictions but it wasn't recorded uh, when we were under a five kilometre rule it was recorded in the summertime and John predicted that he was going to get commentary like that when the film airs and he gets it when he's only talking about it but thank you John for your text to 0862 103 103 Court Today on C103 With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group they don't just talk the talk they walk the walk CMIG.ie. Now, little four-year-old Kiron O'Keefe, he attends play school in Buttevant, or Buttevant, as we were just talking about with John Creedon. He's astounded the nation after a video of him explaining how COVID and other viruses work have gone viral. Let me start by listening to young Kiron's explanation about COVID-19. Virus attacks all the healthy cells. And there's more different types of white of white blood cells, and they are called the macrophages, which, which bubble up the virus and spit out the bits and leave an antigen. <laughs> and so, and that antigen activates T cells, and those T cells activate more T cells, and the T cells activate the B cells which create antibodies that stick to the virus and stop it from spreading. And that was clapping, it sticks to the virus and stops it spreading. His mother, Gronya O'Keefe, joins me. Good afternoon to you, Gronya. Hi, Patricia, how are you? <laughs> Very well. I tell you what, a smile that I put on my face when I saw that little video uh, yesterday. Uh, you have an amazing uh, little boy. And all of everything that Kiron says in that video is, is all backed up. It's all correct. It's not him making it up. It's correct science. Oh, yeah, it's correct information. Yeah, and um, he retains it and he understands it as well, which is even funnier. Um, yeah, uh, we're just glad he's giving everyone a reason to smile when times are so tough now for everyone at the moment. And where is he picking up all the information about COVID-19 and T-cells and antigens and B-cells? 
Well, it's gas because that's even just explaining how viruses in general work. Do you know what I mean? Um, but I suppose there's he watches this um, thing sometimes. Story box, it's called, and it answers a lot of questions that um, kids would have, like what makes day and night, and you know um, about planets and lots of various things, how your eye works, how your ear works, and um, he actually retains it all and um, understands it and is able to tell you, you know, if you asked him, you know. Um, but he's always had a bit of an interest in everything, you know. Um, Just a curious but, mind. Yeah, yeah. I suppose like most four-year-olds, you know. But um, the fact that he, he holds it is his guess, really. Now, you can hear somebody laughing. That was his dad, your That's husband. Dan, yeah. Yeah, Dan, Dan filmed um, it. Yeah, Dan, Dan recorded it. Uh, sure, at bedtime, don't you know? The, that's when the, the chats start happening. Maybe the delay tactics. Um, yeah, so Dan <laughs> recorded it. And uh, we put it into the family WhatsApp. And um, my brother actually emailed it to Dr. Luke O'Neill. And so he saw it as well and said it was superb. So uh, we said, you know, if it's giving everyone a, a bit of a smile and a reason to, to laugh, um, we might as well share it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's, and yeah. he's 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 only well. Play, is play school closed with yeah. lockdown? You know, he's 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 going to Donna's preschool here in Budfont, um, and he can't wait to get back to see his friends and his teachers now on Monday again. So he'd be going back on Monday. Yeah, but he's been off since Christmas, he has, has he? Yeah, yeah. And has yeah. has he missed it? Um, he has in a way. I suppose and you, you miss the routine, and um, and definitely all his friends, and like they're very good up there. You know. Even like you, like I said, you can't shield them from the coronavirus. Like it's all gelling the hands going in the door. He knows that you have to step back and wait your turn. And you know, it's it's what coronavirus is relevant to in all aspects of everyone's lives at the moment these days. You know. Yeah, even in the very smallies. But he's yeah. just got such a great understanding of why he's doing it, why he's washing his hands. Yes. Yeah, yeah, which is which yeah. is incredible. So, is a big school in September then? Big school in September <laughs> you know, for him. Yeah, yeah. In, in Bottevant. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 And and he's excited about that, obviously. Uh, yeah, um, but you know, it's guess he's he's kind of he won't even give it a thought. No, you know, until it's happening. You know, it's guess like. And you you you're a healthcare. You work in Mary in Marymount. Yeah, I'm yeah. Um, in Marymount there now for a few years there, so just say hello to all the gang in Marymount, especially in St. Catherine's Ward there. And um, Dan actually is an electrician, and it's funny that when Dan came in from work last night and he did his work pants on, obviously, and Geron went straight for the voltage meter that was in his pocket and <laughs> went around testing the light switches to make sure that the, there was power going to all the light switches <laughs> around the kitchen. So, you know, so, like, so it isn't just the medical world he's interested. He's in oh, inter- everything. Yeah. yeah. If you yeah, asked him he, he, what what he wants to be when he grows up, has he a preference at the he moment? I tell you, he'd like to be a dinosaur. Do you know, <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, you know, he can be whatever he wants to be, really. Yeah. And sure, look, we'd be happy as long as he's happy. Do you know? Yeah. Did yeah. Did he talk at a very young age? Has he? Uh, I suppose he always had a good vocabulary, did and he? I suppose um, we'd be kind of a chatty family ourselves. <laughs> so, like, he's probably kind of listening to listening to us chatting the whole time. Like, so yeah, he did have a good vocabulary from a young age, but. You know, he's just, it's, he's funny. He, he comes out with some stuff like, oh, wish to the postman, you know. And, yeah. You know, but, yeah. and funny, and of course, children at that age are funny and they don't even realise they're funny. Exactly. Yeah. 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 yeah which is, you know, it's great that he's giving everyone a laugh, like, and um, yeah. his nan and granddad and Malin and his granddad and Chupert House, like, you know, they get the great kick out of him too. Like, you it's know, brilliant. It's he brilliant. Makes, he can't see them, you know, as often as he's like, nor anything, you know, so it's all from a distance. So at least it's, it's, 
giving people something to see as well. Do you know what I mean? And does he understand the concept that he's gone viral? Does he understand? Not a notion. No, not a notion. He was listening to himself on the radio and he kind of went, oh, and then sure went off about his business again. (laughs) (laughs) Off chasing dinosaurs. Yeah. Listen, it's it's well done on sharing it because as you say, we all need a little bit of a lift at at the moment. It's it's and and particularly with the work that you do, I I, tough in Marymount. It's been tough in any uh, health environment. But I imagine. Yeah, it is definitely hard. All right, it is definitely changed things an awful lot. Uh, But you know, we're all only doing our best. Really, that's all we can do. Really, you know, that's all we can do. And the vaccine is here and should listen. Yeah, so, sunny this, days this will come video, back. That's it. Like, entered this little video is um, hopefully giving people a five minute break from the, you know, the, the, the norms. As you, yeah, you yeah. Know. Listen, fantastic. Thanks a million for taking time out to, uh, to talk to us. And tell Kiron, well done, well done. That's I a will, fantastic video. Take care. Bye bye. Bye bye. That is uh, Gronio O'Keefe from Buttevant, mum of the exceptional little Kiron O'Keefe. Let me play it again because I missed the beginning because I had a wrong button pressed. Here's little Kiron explaining coronavirus. There's T cells in your body, and those T cells defeat the virus, and the virus attacks all the healthy cells. And there's more different types of white of white blood cells, and they are called the macrophages, which which gobble up the virus and spit out the bits and leave an antigen. <laughs> and so, and that antigen activates T cells. And those T cells activate more T cells. And the T cells activate the B cells, which create antibodies that stick to the virus and stop it from spreading. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. John uh, was listening to little Kieran O'Keefe from Bosford that we, we spoke with his uh, mum, um, Gronia in the last hour and I played the little video clip of him that's gone viral of him explaining how viruses work and you know how important it is to wash your hands and how dangerous these viruses are John says Patricia maybe some of the protesters who are planning on protesting tomorrow might listen to that little lad explaining about the coronavirus and in particular explaining how it spreads. It's a sad day when a four year old is miles ahead of many of those grown adults in this country. So says uh, John thank you for that John. Oh, by the way, a couple of people have been, um, you know, the way we've been tracking items that got delayed in the post because of, in the main, I think it was because of Christmas. I know a lot of people are shopping online, but postal services all over the world are under huge pressure. And I have to say, it seems to be New Zealand is having the longest delays. And even this week, we are still getting calls and texts in from people saying that loved ones finally got items that were posted, you know, well before Christmas, finally arriving in New Zealand and we've got two in today. Hi Patricia, Christmas presents arrived in New Zealand today. Grandchildren over excited. I could see and it's it's fantastic whereas it might have got lost in all the hullabaloo of Christmas and all of the other presents that they've received and suddenly here we are at the start of March and uh, Nana and Grandad's or Granny's Christmas presents have arrived. It's, it's fantastic and Veronica in Mitchellstown was on to say my daughter in New Zealand received her Christmas present this morning. I posted it at the start of December and it arrived 
this morning, the 5th of March. So New Zealand certainly look like they are finally uh, catching up on their posts. But again, they were um, they they were a country that have reasonably had normality with all of COVID. But obviously they've had huge, huge delays on posts, both arriving into their country and then the distribution of the post around the country. And there was a comment in, Michael was on, oh, this is to do with John Creedon who joined us in the last hour talking about that new programme that's going to be on TV uh, the Atlas of Ireland it's starting on Sunday night at half six three episodes in total but the first one I will be interested in all three but I love looking at our own beautiful county so the first one does feature Cork and but and Wexford I think as well and then he moves around the country in the other two episodes and again just to emphasise it wasn't filmed during level five lockdown Micah says Patricia fair play to John Creedon he has done so much for tourism and for Ireland RT and TV3 should really do a lot more to promote this country because it has so much to offer it is just unbelievable. The sad thing is we really don't know our own country at all. Create a tourism to suit our climate. Sunshine isn't everything at the end of the day. There is such spectacular scenery in this country it is simply mind-blowing. We should be far more creative and it would work in everyone's interest not just a chosen few. Thanking you says uh, Mike and you are right, uh, Michael. We do live in an absolutely stunning country and there are scenes in this country that simply are unbelievable. And I think a lot of people last year with the staycations, I think it opened up their eyes for a lot of people, saw parts of the country they never saw before. And as I was explaining to John, I went up around Galway, I'd never been up in that neck of the woods before and just beautiful, really, really beautiful. And I remember a couple of years ago we did a family reunion where we had people coming from England, from Northern Ireland and from here in the Republic and we all went to Donegal and stayed in a, went to this huge house in Muff, just outside Muff, massive house. I think it slept 12 of us, like 12 had beds. It was incredible the size of the house and then we had a couple of other houses that we rented as well and people all travelled and I remember driving around to the hills of Donegal and thinking, wow, the scenery here is just absolutely stunning and of course West Cork is my what I class as my spiritual home and every time I go to West Cork I end up seeing a part of West Cork maybe that I hadn't noticed before and it always takes my breath away as well and when I go down into Inchidani when you drive down and you turn around the bend and the, the wide beaches in front of you simply it takes my breath away I just think it's gorgeous so yeah you're right and more of those TV programmes and John's TV programmes have always focused on the beauty of this country but he also has the interesting stories and little anecdotes about it that's why I'm particularly charmed by this programme and I think it is going to be really something to look forward to on a Sunday at half past six it's replacing the Ireland's Fish's Family which I have to say I enjoyed I really got a kick out of Ireland's Fish's Family and Operation Transformation this year and I don't know if that was something to do with lockdown or not but I really got into both of those programmes uh, this year because there's only so much on Netflix you watch and then you want some of the homegrown programmes as well don't you so well done to John Creedon he's He's, he's a genius, I think, at what he does in those type of programmes. Now, back to your other thoughts coming in to us. A different Michael by text. Saying, Patricia, how are you doing? I'm well, thank you. I want to raise the push to get the church op- churches open for Easter. 
by the independent group of TDs. I feel that this is another attempt at populism as at its worst. It's like the way they screamed and shouted about opening up hospitality before Christmas and your hey-ho, look where that got us. I feel they already have a lot to answer for. I'm a churchgoer and I'd love to be able to go to Easter ceremonies but I feel we need a lot more people vaccinated before we can dream of gatherings of any kind. I wish these TDs would stop and focus for once on doing the right thing and I am totally by the way against the protest in Cork tomorrow. It is so damn selfish says Michael of those people who are thinking of uh, going. Thank you for your text Michael stay safe. Pat says Patricia at a time when we need peace and goodwill. All I'm hearing is intimidation and threats. Has the virus done this to the people? We all need to step back and cop on. The government and its agencies should be trying, should not be trying to make money out of the virus by fining people if they breach the rules. We should stop now and put our country first and help it, says Pat. In fairness to the Gardaí, though, they do the four E's where they try to educate and they try to encourage uh, people and enforcement is the, the last thing that they go for. It's the last thing the Gardaí want to do. And I think that was highlighted by what happened in Dublin. I mean, if they'd gone in there with enforcement straight away, they could have fi- fined thousands of people on Saturday and they didn't. They only went after the people that caused the trouble and fined them. So, you know, I think, I don't think, and I know it's the thought of getting fined €100 Euro for being 5k outside of your limit, but when the Gardaí stop you, they will tell you, they, you know, they will engage with you, they will educate you and they will encourage you to go home and they only issue the fine if you still point blank refuse. So I don't think it's anything to do with making money because if it is and if it was they could have made a lot more money before now but and I think they felt it was the very last thing and it took ages ages before it actually came in before they got the Gardaí got the powers to start in enforcing and they didn't even really want it at the time because they don't want to be involved in that kind of dispute with people but they see the bigger picture and they see that they're trying to protect everybody else. Thanks for your text, Pat. John says, what's the stigma with having the army around? That's their job. It's about time they earned their keep. I'd only be too delighted to see them stopping cars and locking up people who break the five kilometre rule. Don't mind finding them. It's time to get tough. Too many people are dying unnecessarily. We need to lay down the law. It's a real divide, isn't it? That the people who will be protesting tomorrow because the lockdown rules, they want to get rid of the lockdown rules. And then you've got people like John who says they're not even tough enough. And from, well, that's on a different issue, which I will get back to in a moment. Hi, Patricia, just wondering, does anybody know if you can travel abroad if you're fully vaccinated? Well, uh, well, at the moment, under the 5K, you're, you can't travel abroad unless it's absolutely necessary. But if it's only on holidays, you could be fined €500. Euro. I imagine when they start to, when we come out of level five, maybe international travel will be allowed then. And then I, I'm assuming it'll be an individual choice whether you want to travel or not. But certainly, even if you're fully vaccinated, under under level five, the advice is no, that you can't travel, but that certainly will change. Will airlines look for people to be vaccinated? There's still a lot of talk about that. There's still a lot of talk about vaccine that you'll have a vaccine passport. There's a lot of countries looking at that. The European Union, I know, certainly is looking at it. But it, we could get to a case when more people get vaccinated 
it could happen that the airline will insist that you can only travel when you are vaccinated and obviously when that happens if you are vaccinated then you will be able to travel. Thank you for your text some of your WhatsApps in Frank from County Waterford listening to us says tell all the normal people to stay at home tomorrow unless they have something very important to do in the city. I'm also in favour of getting the army out and anyone in the city then without a good excuse should be turned around and sent back home. That's from Frank listening to us in County Waterford. Hi Patricia I'm no longer angry at our government I'm just totally embarrassed. Total lack of leadership and the inability to cope with the current situation. Michal Martin has shown us that he is weak as a leader and as our health and our health minister is incapable. To me it borders on farcical. Thanking you uh, Patricia have a good weekend. Somebody not happy with the current government and Patricia uh, those people that say they're enjoying lockdown must be well able to afford People have to get back to work and to business. They must open up so that people can feed children, pay rent and mortgages. And people are financially struggling uh, for sure. Yeah, you're probably right. Anyone who is saying that they are enjoying it obviously don't have the financial worries. But I completely accept there are many people out there with a lot of financial worries at the moment. Adam in Kinsale says, listening to his show this morning, what kind of people have we turned into in this country? Those that wish to protest and spread more COVID. The irony of this is they will set us back and then there are those who are going to attend because they're frustrated over this and I'm working from home for over the last number of months with two children and believe me we're all equally frustrated but we still believe that we must be mindful of this virus so as not to harm ourselves or more importantly so as not to harm others and also I don't have time to be thinking about protesting going to one or thinking of conspiracy theories says Adam very much against the people who are going out to protest tomorrow and to people who are saying we have the toughest lockdown anywhere in Europe Chair in McCroom says we should be counting ourselves lucky here uh, that we're not in France. France, they have to be inside by 6pm. There's a curfew in France. I didn't realise that that was still in place. According to Jur, it is. 1850 And Anne in Bantry was on to say, Patricia, on the Irish Examiner about two weeks ago, there was a photograph of a couple after receiving what was called a senior play activity pack. The delivery from Let's Play Cork. It provides fun activities for people stuck at home across Ireland. Patricia, have you heard of these packs and where can one get them from? Thanking you, says Anne. So I did a quick Google search and you're right. They are called these Senior Play Activity Packs. And it appears, according to an article I'm reading from the Irish Examiner, or from, sorry, the, uh, the Echo last week, they were handed out to older people in the community. It seems to be in the city because it's an initiative of playful par- paradigm and age-friendly cork and they were distributed to the south side of the city at the end of... February, every community area response team across the city received an allocation of these special packs and then it was up to the community area response team to hand them out. So they went out to groups in Ballyfahan and in Toker and it is an initiative also of, let me see, I saw a list that's involved. It's a partnership between Cork City Council, Cork Healthy Cities, Cork City PPN, the Cork Learning Cities, Faroiga, 
the HSE and local Cork Local Sports Partnership. So what I can gather from that, it only went out to older people in the city. So I don't know where and you are messaging me from but if you want to make contact with any of those groups and you are in the city they may be able to get a group to you because the plan at the end of February was that more packs will be distributed in the coming weeks to group members and older people in the uh, area and they were distributed to group leaders in Ballyfahan, Toker, Turnus Cross and The Lock uh, with the help of Cork City Council and Cork City Partnership but they sound I don't know what what's I can't see from the piece I'm reading what exactly is uh, in it but it's a, it's a it's like a fairly large box and there's items uh, in it just to keep people they were saying they wanted to support the heroes at home and uh, it's a little activity pack to keep people busy so well done well done it sounds like a great initiative uh, is there plans to roll it out in the county. I certainly haven't heard about it. I will keep a close eye out though if I can hear any more about it or if there's any more plans to send out more of them to older people living in the city. I'll, I'll keep a look at, keep a lookout for us. Thank you for that. Um, and a different answer. says, Morning Patricia, I can't believe it that AstraZeneca have failed to deliver it, it's batches of vaccines for the last two weeks. I'm not surprised if it has anything to do with Boris Johnson. We will never get a good deal from the English, even with the vaccine. Imagine if all the over 80s were to get this particular vaccine. We'll still be waiting for it. Are the English keeping all the vaccines for themselves, says Anne? And they're not. This is an EU-wide issue. This actually has nothing to do with the English because I saw yesterday it made headline news in Italy. There's an AstraZeneca plant in Italy that's making the vaccines and they were about to ship 250,000 vaccines to us that Australia had put in an order for but the Italian authorities blocked the shipment to Australia because it isn't just Ireland that were short of AstraZeneca supplies. When AstraZeneca didn't meet its deliveries to Ireland they didn't meet their deliveries to every other European country because that's the way the vaccine is ordered in one collective bunch, one collective order from the EU and then it's distributed out per population. Like we are getting every single order that comes through from AstraZeneca. We here in Ireland get 1.1% and it's based on our head of population, how many people live in Ireland and then obviously France will get more, Italy will get more, Germany will get more because obviously they have a bigger population base uh, to us. So while it is the Oxford AstraZeneca jab, it isn't the English government who are saying don't give it to Ireland or don't give it to Germany or don't give it to France. It's an EU wide one. And as I say, that's why the Italians and they got the backing then of the EU Commission. They stopped the order going out because AstraZeneca had left the European Union uh, short. Now, I do know that Paul Reid, you know, was talking about the disappointment because obviously there were a number of over 85s who were due to get it this week and because we were left short by AstraZeneca. Well, it wasn't the over 85s. The AstraZeneca would have affected healthcare workers, uh, but there was a huge disappointment with healthcare workers ready to get the jab. And then, of course, enough of the jabs did, didn't arrive. But I know Paul Reid was saying very frustrated uh, by it, but he did say that the shortage of the AstraZeneca jab, there would be um, extra deliver- deliveries would be made and the delays are exp- expected to be made up by the end of the month. So there was two deliveries, 64,000 doses that failed to arrive 
last week and 12,000 failed to arrive this week and they were all people who were earmarked to get jabs but AstraZeneca say that the days, delays are expected to be made up by the end of the month so hopefully they will and actually I also saw in the that Ireland may ask other European countries to share stockpiled COVID-19 vaccines because it seems some countries are opting not to use AstraZeneca vaccines. Some are going unused in Germany, Italy and France, even though the German one may not be stockpiled for very much longer because Germany are one of the countries that have decided to change their mind and they're now going to give it to people over the age of 70. And I know our own Minister Stephen Donnelly was asked, would we look again at giving AstraZeneca to people over the age of 70 because of obviously the information that's uh, coming out and NIAC, the National Immunisation Advisory Committee is currently examining the evidence from the UK studies which appears to show that the AstraZeneca jab is effective in older people and when asked whether the committee are considering recommending the use to over 70s the chairwoman of NIAC Professor Queen Buckley said it was keeping everything under review so we may be changing our mind on that but anyway but I did see Stephen Donnelly said that there are legitimate avenues can be used to increase the government's options and this is following reports that there are, there has been a number of unused AstraZeneca's in Germany, Italy and France and we're using them and they've been used very successfully here so if there's extra supplies somewhere then go knocking on the door please and say we are willing and able to take them from you. 1850 John Paul taking your calls you can text or WhatsApp 0862 The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council's Community Support Programme If you or anyone you know needs help in accessing non-emergency and non-medical supports or advice see corkcoco.ie Ark House are hosting a free webinar It's on diet in cancer Now it'll be next Wednesday at 7pm You can log on to the Ark House website for further details While Dara Community Centre are hosting Community Garda Damien White from Bandon Garda Station on their Zoom webinar next Thursday night at 8 o'clock. He'll be speaking about internet safety, cyberbullying, as well as crime prevention, farm safety and a lot more. Details on how to log on to the webinar, you can check out Dara Community Centre on their Facebook page. And Kinsale Atlantic artists are holding a pink for Daffodil Day window and online exhibition. It runs from next Thursday through to Monday the 29th of March. Proceeds going directly to the Irish Cancer Society's Daffodil Day Fund. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie Joan says, Patricia, I am sick of being preached to. Would somebody please tell the government to get off their rear ends and buy more vaccines and not depend on somebody else to do it for them. I think a lot of people, Joan, would agree with you on that. If there's any available vaccines anywhere, please get them to us because we know the best vaccine is the one that is in your arm. I was talking about posting letters and cards, Eileen says, Trish, I posted a card, you know, one of the free ones that the post office were handing out, sent it to my grandchildren in Cork. It took exactly a week to arrive and I don't know where, I'm assuming somewhere in the county, Eileen was posting 
getting it uh, from. And yet I sent a package from Mallow on on a Wednesday and it arrived in Devon in England on the Saturday and somebody, uh, some other listener sent a package also on the same Wednesday as I did and they got to America by the uh, Saturday. And on holidaying in Ireland, I always holiday in Ireland, but I can see why people don't. And it's due to the cost. It can cost a fortune to have a holiday in this country compared to, say, a bright and cheerful week in Spain or in Lanzarote or in any of the other Canary Islands. Could something not be done about that? I wonder about purchasing power per euro here is so much less. And only during the week, somebody said they tried to book, they they call it a guest house in Kerry and I think it was in Killarney it was definitely in Kerry anyway and they had obviously stayed there last year and they wanted to book in again for this year and it has tripled in price which I just couldn't I can't in any way justify how something would go up three times in price and I know those hospitality have really struggled but to triple in price you just you worry and wonder how anyone would be going on a staycation if everybody's prices decided to triple this year now an email in from Anne-Marie who has sent on a detailed email and a copy of which she had a copy of a detailed email that she sent on to every county councillor in Cork and she sent it on to a few TDs as well and this is to do with trying to clean up our roadways and clean up our own areas and she sent in an email writing to me about the fact that the National Roads Cleanup organised by Antashka happens every April. Now I don't know if it's happening or not this year but she says with the five kilometre restrictions at present and with the dry weather that we're experiencing. So many people are out walking and cycling and of course everyone is doing it within their own locality and the majority are sticking within their five kilometres. Can't we all see the roads and the byways are just littered and they're dirty and they're full of bottles and cans and empty coffee cups and papers and sweet wrappers etc. Can we not all throw on pair of gloves, high-vis jacket, grab a bag and just clean up our own areas, please, says Amory. Antashka will even supply the requirements if needed. I've asked the councillors to push this issue at local level as the timing is perfect for the annual clean-up. We need to have our lovely clean era back for ourselves and also back for the prospective tourists who will come post COVID. So, and I know we've heard from people who do that, people who say whenever they go out and people have been out walking and, you know, Ambry is right, we're all walking in our own area. I do know people who do that, who bring, you know, you have to bring gloves with you. That's the only thing because of the virus, particularly people going, nobody wants to pick up somebody else's dirty disposable mask. That's the worst one I see when you see that in the street. I absolutely hate it. I mean, I was out in my own garden cutting the grass uh, the other day and I had to pick up two masks. I had to go in and get disposable gloves. I was half afraid. I didn't know how long they'd been in the garden, but you still have to be uh, so careful and I wasn't trusting the gardening gloves. So I went in and got disposable gloves, picked up the mask, threw them into the bin and then went in and hand sanitised and washed the hands uh, and all of that. So nobody wants to pick them up. But so, yeah, you need to bring some plastic gloves with you. But I do know there are a number of people who, who do that, who will pick up rubbish. It's like the people whenever they go to the beach. And I know I, for the last number of years, before now COVID hit, I tried to do that. There was that campaign to pick up five pieces of plastic. And I do that no matter where I am in the world. And will I ever get around the world again? Please God, we will. I'll always do that if I'm walking the beach, pick up any little bit of plastic that you see to stop it going back into the sea. So I think it's a really, really good suggestion, Anne-Marie. And as I say, I just wonder how many people already are trying to do their bit to keep their own area clean. So well done. Let me know how you get on, particularly as you've emailed all of the county councillors and some of the TDs. 1850. 
0818-333-103. John Paul taking your course. We're going to take a break and we're back with movie suggestions from our own Mark Malone. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Giving us some suggestions of movies that you might like to watch this weekend is Mark Malone. Good afternoon to you, Mark. Hi, Patricia. Okay, our first movie is called Rams, mm-hmm. and it's as in the sheep. <laughs> and our second one I'm, we, I've, is a movie I really, really want to see, and that's The Secret Garden. But let me start with a trailer from Rams. Look at you, my beauties. You are beautiful. You are beautiful. But you're the best. The one we've all been waiting for, folks. The Calvin Horn Ram judging. Fine Ram, all right. He's gonna be a busy boy, I reckon. What do you mean? Okay, the Grimison brothers find themselves the last two standing yet again. And Les Grimison is the winner. Oh, come on, Cole, cheer up. You two haven't spoken in 40 years. Why start now? Liz's ram. He's sick. Farmers have been shocked by the discovery of a highly infectious disease. Her control plan has been put in place in the hope of containing the outbreak. We spent half our lives in here. It means everything to them. That's it, mate. They're taking the whole bloody valley. Why don't they take us while they're at it? Finish the job. You gotta follow the rules. No kidding. Okay, well, I was thinking this was a comedy, but then as the trailer goes on, I realised there's a serious 
It's like a foot and mouth of sheep, is it? Yeah, and it's funny you say that because that's my thought because uh, it starts as a comedy. There's that lovely moment when he's in the field, for example, going, you're nice, you're beautiful, you're the best, you know. And, you, you know, you enjoy that kind of sense of comedy. But then it does take a bit of a dark turn all of a sudden when, yeah, exactly, it's like a foot and mouth type of a disease which affects sheep. And so, therefore, the sheep have got to be destroyed. And um, But that only just lasts for a moment. So okay. I want to make that quite clear, you know, because this is very, very enjoyable. It is lighthearted and it is and in, in the in a comedy, although it has kind of darker themes, and I think it's a it's a film that kind of deals with kind of family and male masculinity and 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 that kind of thing, and also how, just how difficult it is for these people to survive in this part of Western Australia. It's not easy with uh, forest fires and and, and and brush fires and so on. And uh, so yeah, so in the main, though, I will say to people, look, don't worry about that. I mean, there is a scene, for example, where uh, the authorities are coming to, unfortunately, um, call. Call all the sheep. Call the sheep. Yeah. And he decides to do it his own sheep by himself. Oh. And it's not, it's, yeah, it's, it's, but it's the only kind of dark turn I think the film takes. And, uh, but it's a good scene. It's a terrific scene. And it's an important scene, I think, in the film, again, to expose just what would happen and how difficult it is for something like this to happen. His whole life is just completely kind of almost I destroyed. I remember a Welsh farmer, because Wales was devastated during the foot and mouth. I mean, yeah. we managed to keep it out, thankfully, this country. But I remember watching a Welsh farmer on the news saying that. He said, you know, the army me were coming in to call the sheep and he's out the, the cows and he said I did it myself because they and he, you could see the, it was as if it was pets he was putting down it was well, exactly. really difficult yeah I mean he has this kind of emotional involvement with these yeah. kind of sheep they're very very important to him and uh, the rams are got these award winning rams and he lives uh, this is uh, Sam Neill by the way plays the, the, the character of Colin now this here. is set in Australia it's an Australian movie is it? yeah it's, yeah. it's based on an Icelandic film and uh, which is kind of a very different kind of look and feel to the film and normally when I think you European films kind of transfer to say Hollywood they don't really quite work and a lot of the kind of critics especially don't particularly like them uh, you know but uh, because they like the originals and it's the same here and I think any critic who has seen the original tends to be a bit sniffy about this but if you haven't seen the original which is kind of very different I think the Icelandic film as you can imagine is is kind of uh, almost kind of uh, from a weather point of view kind of dark and stark in the sense that it's kind of bleak and, and cold whereas here it's incredibly hot and incredibly warm uh, you know Know, so and they also differ in in tone as well. Apparently, the original film was very much darker than this, which is really is an out and out comedy. So Sam Neill plays a character of Colin. He lives right next door to his brother Les. And because of a family kind of problem, forty years period, they haven't spoken to each other in forty years, and they communicate with their dog. As this dog has to kind of run between the two farmhouses with messages tied to his collar, and both of them call him by something completely different, and that's kind of really funny as well. So they haven't spoken to each other in a long time, and they're very competitive. They're both sheep farmers, and they both have these award-winning rams. And then they do, so there's uh, this competition, you know, to find the best ram in the area. And uh, whilst uh, the rams are there, Sam Neill notices is in fact that one of the rams has an illness has this, I think it's OJD I think it's what it's called and so therefore the authorities have, uh, as we know it they've got to come in and they've got to just completely cull the farms and of course also uh, you know you know, as best as possible clean the farms uh, as much as they can Sam Neill though he doesn't quite kill all of his um, ah. rams and ewes so surreptitiously within the house he decides to keep one of his award winning rams which he knows to is, keep the bloodline is it? exactly which yeah. he knows isn't sick and he keeps three ewes which he also knows isn't sick because he's an expert but of course he's got to keep them away from the authorities so there's some lovely kind of comic moments where he's in the house and you know <laughs> he's growing his own grass in the house and you know the, the, the sheep uh, you know uh, drink from the toilet and there's some kind of lovely moments there uh, with that as well uh, the British import is 
Miranda Richardson who plays the character of Katia. She's the vet. And I love the fact as well that they are constantly referred to her as the pommy vet, which I thought was kind of nice and kind of sweet and kind of funny. The, the, one of the criticisms of it is that it is, it's a little bit over-sentimental. It can be, and it is, and it is sweet, and, but it's not overly sweet. because oh, that's what we need at the moment. Yeah, exactly. If you get it wrong, sentimentality can be a just bit annoying. You just go, ah, stop. I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to manipulate my emotions here. But I just thought there was a, there was a lovely sense of kind of reality to it. It doesn't shy away from the fires. It doesn't shy away from the, you know, the reality of losing a farm because even though they get support from the government, they, they're, they're told, look, you can't do anything for two years. And of course, that means that a lot of people have got to emigrate. They've got to leave because they just simply can't. So the reality of the situation is never very far away. But ne- neither is the comedy. And I just thought it was absolutely terrific. I loved it. Sam Neill, who is 73 and looks half his age, is extraordinary in it, as is Michael Caton. The interesting thing, there's two interesting things, by the way. Sam Neill was born in Ireland. Did you, did you know that? No. He was born in Tyrone. Yeah, he lived here for about seven years. He always talks about Ireland. And then went to Australia. And then went to New Zealand, actually. Yeah. Oh, wow. And uh, his uh, brother here is played by Michael Caton. They haven't worked together since, I think, 77, when they were both in The Sullivans. Do you remember oh, The Sullivans? Oh, I do. Yeah. I do. Set in the Second World War. Yeah, they made one episode, apparently, together or yeah. something. Yeah. And uh, so, look, they're both terrific in it, you know. And, look, I enjoyed it very much. It's PG-13, which I think is about right. But don't worry. That particular scene, even though it's heartbreaking when they have to call the herd, yes. But in the main, I thought, thought well, it was done. very entertaining well, and And where's that streaming? Uh, that one I got. Uh, that's on. The, that's only on the Sky Store. So keep well, that Sky in mind. Sky Store. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's called Rams. Uh, mark it out of ten. Uh, I'll give it nine. Nine out of ten. Yeah. Okay. And then the Secret Garden. I've been. I haven't. I didn't. I've been looking forward to seeing this movie from when they first started uh, talking about it because I love the story. It's the original. The book, The Secret Garden, isn't it? Yeah, but but I believe. I, no, I haven't read the book. I but remember reading it as a child. Oh well, well, you'll find that I believe it's kind of different because I think oh. the book was set in like 1912. Yeah. Here they brought it about 50 years forward to about 1947. Okay. And it basically is at the time of the partition of, in, of, of, of India and uh, and Pakistan. And uh, we meet the young character of Mary here, played by Dixie Egerix, I think is how you pronounce her name. And uh, she's living on her own because, uh, in fact, even though she's been brought up in this incredible splendor with kind of um, with, with maids and, and, and so on, uh, all of a sudden she finds herself alone because her parents have died of cholera. So she's brought home to, uh, to England. Uh, well, her home is in India, but she's she's brought to family uh, to family. Her uncle here, played by Colin Firth, who plays the character of Archibald Craven, she's brought home to uh, Misselthwaite Manor in Yorkshire, which of course is a very very different place. All of a sudden, she's like wondering where the where the, where's where's the, where's the sun. She just doesn't really quite understand. And she finds, of course, that uh, when she's there, she finds it all rather bleak and dark and and grey. And she doesn't really quite understand why, for example, she doesn't have maids, why she doesn't have servants. Uh, so she's a, kind of an obnoxious little child. Not not. Um, kind of it's not her fault it's the way she's been brought up so she yeah. doesn't understand completely why, different lifestyle yeah why can't she have uh, bacon and eggs for breakfast why does she have to have porridge why doesn't <laughs> the scullery maid help her dress for example and uh, so she suddenly realises that she's in a very different world and uh, in a very different place um, but finds solace in her garden and whilst exploring the garden she does find a wall and a key to this secret garden and I believe in the film she is a little bit more obnoxious than here. Here, I think, uh, you know, she uh, kind of follows kind of modern norms of uh, kind of young women here, whereas she's a little bit more of a, a heroine. She's much more kind of feisty than she was in the book. And she realises that um, that her behaviour is unacceptable as uh, the kind of uh, what she believes to be the healing powers of this secret garden kind of make her a better person. While she's in the house, she finds uh, the character of uh, Colin Firth's young uh, son, who is kind of a very sickly young the boy. Sick, the sick child. And she 
believes that this garden has healing powers and can help him and tries to, as their relationship kind of improves, to bring him to the garden to, to try and... Uh, Is he in a wheelchair? Uh, he is in a wheelchair. He used to be he in an old-fashioned wheelchair back then. And he is in an old-fashioned wheelchair in this as well. Uh, so, look, yeah, the thing is, is that this, I think this is the fifth time it's been filmed. Yeah, and I think it's been, yeah. I think there have been like three or four TV movies. So this is like the ninth time this has been made. So there are no real surprises here. If you've seen it before, uh, this basically kind of is, you've seen all this before again. I thought it was okay. I think um, it's a little bit too long. I think at nearly two hours. But um, there's no surprises here. I was never bored, but I was never hugely entertained by it. I think it's a good kind of solid uh, kind of a version of the film. The interesting thing about Colin Firth is that Colin Firth was actually in a version back in 1987 where he played uh, the, the older version of the young boy. Um, so oh. here he plays uh, um, the, um, the the father here, Archibald Craven. And he's pretty good. Julie Walters um, plays a very kind of stern kind of uh, character in this. And I, I wanted more of Julie and it's kind of a one-note performance. Her. But the thing is, is that if you've got Julie Walters in your film, she's a gift from heaven, let's face it, and you want to see more of her. But she does fine. The little girl is extraordinary. Um, and I enjoyed watching her on screen. So yeah, so look, it's um, it's a it's a it's a strong adaptation. Um, it's not particularly brilliant. It's not the best of them. I think I think, but then I've seen the other ones when I was quite young. Maybe I was kind of, uh, you know, more inclined to enjoy those rather than now. I didn't think it was very good. Yeah, I thought it was all right. And um, yeah, for all the family, it's fine. Mark it out of ten. Uh, I give it eight. Eight out of ten. Okay. It's, and where is that streaming? That one I got on the Play Store, the Google Play Store. The Google Play Store. Okay. Listen, thank you for that. Have a lovely week. And uh, we'll chat to you. Oh, of course, you're in for your. You're for in. Nick. Later. I'll be moving out in a little while for you. <laughs> Thanks a million, Mark. Have a good one. That uh, is our own Mark Malone, The Secret Garden and uh, Rams. And can I just give you the heads up on next Monday is International Women's Day and we have decided to dedicate the programme to women on Monday. So what we've done, we have eight or nine guests that we have invited to join me on the programme and we've sent them out 10 questions just to give them time to think about the questions. Things like who inspired them as a child? Why did they go into their chosen career? Uh, one of my favourite questions, and I can't wait for the answer, is if they could have a dinner party and invite three females they could be alive or dead who would they bring in and why and we just talk a little bit we will be talking a little bit with the various people about their careers to date and also what they've learned most about themselves in the last year and in the crazy world in which, which we are living and included in some of our guests will be Una Healy the singer from the Saturdays who actually I've just heard us on the Late Late Show tonight because she's got a new single out the wonderful Stephanie Prisner Stephanie's always a joy uh, to chat with uh, Rena Buckley from all of her All-Ireland winning medal will be joining us the County Mayor Mary Lenahan uh, Foley the singer Cleena O'Hagan is joining us our own Martina O'Donovan she's one of our inspirational ladies who will join us Paula Hines well-known farmer from East Cork and Anne Mooney who is a journalist with the Irish Sun I mean they're just some of the ladies we're going but it's going to be a programme dedicated to women and we will keep it as Covid free as we can on Monday Teeing up International Women's Day where we'll celebrate women on the programme on Monday morning that's where I leave you though for today Mark Malone is in for Nick Richards again this afternoon and my thanks to John Paul the producer we're back with you Monday 10 till then, till then I'm Patricia Messenger have a lovely weekend and stay safe Work today on C103 with John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor home business farm life and health insurance cmig.ie 
Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.